Welcome to Two Guys in the Bible, a conversation on theology, culture, and God's Word. My name is Eric Leupold, and I'm joined, as always, by the illustrious Dylan Keniston. Good morning, Dylan. How are you? Good morning, Eric. I'm doing well, brother. How are you? I'm doing great, doing great. And um, thank you all for tuning in. I believe this is episode 42, so uh, that's, uh, that's awesome to, uh, to have you with us. So today, we are going to talk about the topic of heaven. Last week, we uh, you know, looked at the more, the more sobering, the more difficult topic of hell, but uh, we kind of wanted to round things out by finishing uh, uh, looking at, uh, at heaven, kind of the opposite there. So, uh, what, I mean, where do we begin? Um, how do we understand the concept of heaven? That's what we're going to tackle today, uh, Dylan. So, uh, but before... We uh, dive into that topic. I do want to say that, uh, of course, we are a uh, listener-supported podcast, and we thank you all for uh, tuning in. Whatever uh, Spotify, iTunes, whatever you use, uh, please, uh, please give us reviews. Please give us feedback, uh, thumbs up, uh, whatever, whatever it is that uh, that uh, medium that you're using, and certainly send us any questions. We always want good feedback and more topics to discuss uh, in the future. So. Uh, without your support, we can't do this, so please help us to uh, keep the lights on. And if you check out our website at uh, twoguysinabible.org.org, uh, there's a, a little option there for you to donate if you so please. Uh, we certainly love your support, and we thank you all out there who are supporting us already. It truly is a blessing. So with that, Dylan, how shall we begin tackling the topic of heaven? When you hear the word heaven, what comes to your mind? Glory. Glory? Glory. Yeah, the Lord's glory. And we get to like shine in on that, right? That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so what comes up? So, so here's, I, I think one of the things that is, uh, th- there's a number of things that are very, very uh, exciting about heaven. And we'll get a chance to talk through some of those things. But I mean, you think of, I mean, number one, any pain that is felt in this life, you know, especially in, you know, as our, as our bodies age and we get older, that pain is relieved. Um, we will be made perfect in heaven. We will be given rest in heaven. We'll be with Christ. Um, I mean, <laughs> what more can you ask for? Yeah. So like, we're not going to just be on a cloud. We're playing a harp. Well, so I, I would say, <laughs> I, I said, what more can you ask for? But kind of facetiously, because in a sense, there is more yet to ask for because um, when so when we die, we are um, our, our our souls are made naked in a sense, right? Because huh. we when we die and we ascend to be with Christ, we do not yet have resurrection bodies until the resurrection on the day of judgment when the dead are raised and we are raised to newness of life with new bodies in the new heavens and the new earth. We will have new bodies now. Mm-hmm. If we die before the Lord Jesus comes back and that day comes, then our souls, in a sense, are, are naked. The body dies and the soul goes on to live on in heaven with Christ in a, in a bodiless existence. Now, I say bodiless, but there's some qualifiers even there, right? Because there are still, and it could just be uh, personification in, in, in language, but there, there are some passages in Scripture where um, it seems that there is uh, talking right among those who mm-hmm. are are souls who are in heaven. 
Um, I think of Revelation 6, verses 9 to 11. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out in a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were given each a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete. So here, you know, again, there, there may not be bodies. These are the souls of those who had been slain. And yet there's, there's communication of some sort, mm -hmm. uh, certainly to God. So, yeah. so, you know, one wants to be careful there, even when we die, right? We have, we have perfection, uh, attained. We have, we are enjoying and basking in the glory of the Lord. We are with Christ, uh, to be apart from the body is to be with the Lord. Uh, but then there is still more to look forward to even yet in a new heavens and a new earth and resurrection bodies, resurrection existence. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's just, that's just very, very exciting. Um, and you know, it, we were talking a bit before we began recording just about, um, reflecting on mortality and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, fear of death and some of those things that are pretty common experience, you know, even among Christians, it's interesting, you know, when you go to a, a Christian's funeral, it's not uncommon to hear praise the Lord, you know, and, and they're, they're home, they're home they're you know, home, and right? yeah, and it's a, it's a celebration in, in, a, in a sense. In a sense yeah. Um, and, and yet, and what there's a, there's a part of us that, that recognizes the truth of that. And then yet there's another part of us that like, when it's our turn, we're, we're, I mean, some of us may be like, you know, who are just very, um, who are just given an extra measure of grace to, to, to think along these lines or like, you know, we think of our own death and we're like, praise the Lord. I can't wait to be well, there. I heard a lot of people but, actually, it's not so much like a lot, even a lot of Christians, it's they, they're, they're cool with the idea of going home to be with the Lord, but it's the act of going, passing through that. That's terrifying. Yeah. That's, that's the scary. terrifying part is the, yeah. what's it going to feel like? What's right. it, it's like, is it going to be like drown, like drowning? Like what's it going to yeah. feel like in that moment? Yeah. After it's done. Mm hmm we're fine. Mm -hmm. But like going through that. Well, even like in the moment, like I, you know, I've, I remember there have been some, some interesting, uh, like memoirs of, of Christian. It's, you know what it, it kind of is? It's like, it's like putting to the test everything you've said you believed for your mm. whole life. Mm. Right. You've, maybe you've preached this, maybe you've taught this, maybe you've articulated belief in this. And yet here you are on <clears throat> death's doorstep now do you really mm -hmm. believe it right yeah. and and now what comes after that like do you have that same confidence mm -hmm. and that can be you know even for some christians you know it's kind of like when 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 moses parts the waters uh and and the israelites are now uh moving away from the egyptians um you, you can imagine two different israelites having, uh, I'm borrowing this illustration, for, uh, but, but it is a good one. You can imagine two different Israelites kind of having this conversation. One says they're looking up at the walls of the water and they're like, Oh my gosh, like this can't be real. This is terrifying. These walls of water could collapse at any minute. I can't believe like th this is, you know, terrifying to me. And the other Israelite saying, Oh, come on, you know, gird yourself and have some faith, you know, like, yeah. of course we believe this. Of course these walls aren't going to come down. God is with us. Can't you see? Isn't it obvious? You see? And, and now both of them continue to walk through the water and, 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 and which and one out, passion, yeah. passes safely. They both do, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, because ultimately it doesn't rest on them. It rests on Christ who is strong and God who is with them as those waters are parted. So 
you know, when, you know, so different Christians experience the, the experience, the notion of death and the fear of death differently. But at, at the end of the day, I think one of the things that is so uh, encouraging to reflect on is the, is just taking some of these passages that the Bible that we'll get to yeah, where scripture speaks to heaven and what it is like and what some of the benefits are Mm -hmm. therein that are gained by the Christian. Paul will say to live is Christ and to die is gain. Mm -hmm. Why is it gain? Right? Because we get to be with Christ. So reflecting on some of those can, can encourage our souls towards what we know to be true, uh, even in the midst of Mm -hmm. what could otherwise be, you know, lingering fear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, 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 that's true. Um, and so, and I know that from my own perspective, and a lot of other people probably felt this way before I was a Christian, you know, you have an idea of what, what heaven is, you know, yeah. people, you know, think of various things, whether, oh, you get, you get your wings when you die or cute babies you know, flying around on with clouds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Playing harps, yeah. singing songs, never ending songs, stuff like that floating around. Um, but before we kind of unpack or maybe address those common stereotypes, the word itself, heaven, uh, it, it kind of can mean a lot of different things. Like, you know, in, in, in the creation narrative, Genesis 1-1, you know, in the, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And someone might ask, well, is that talking about the stars in the sky? Or is it talking about some spiritual realm that's above and beyond that? And I think the answer is yes, it's, it's both. Um, there's also Nehemiah 9, 6, which, which is actually, a, uh, maybe a reiteration of, of Genesis 1, 1 In Nehemiah 9, 6, it says, you are the Lord, you alone, you have made heaven, the heaven of heavens with all their host, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them. And you preserve all of them and the host of heaven worships you. So is the host of heaven just the stars in this particular passage? I think it's more than that. I think it's would be the angelic host and uh, all that comes with that. So certainly heaven is a created place is, is one thing I want to communicate here. I think scripture communicates it's created. Yeah. It's not eternal. Like God is eternal, but it's also slightly different than earth. Of course Uh, we see in Isaiah 66 that heaven is described as God's as as God's throne. So Isaiah 66, 1 says, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me, and what is the place of my rest? So, so they're both created items. Heaven and earth are both created items, but one is the throne of God, his throne room. You can also think of uh, when uh, Isaiah himself saw the Lord high and lifted up, right? Mm. And the train of his robe build the, the temple, right? So he's in, in a way, he's in heaven. He's getting a, a picture of this, a glimpse uh, of, of heaven. And, and the cherubim are, are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? So, but heaven is the throne, the dwelling place of God, and earth is his footstool. So at least that's where we need to begin, I would say, mm-hmm. where heaven is a created place, mm-hmm. uh, where the host of heaven uh, dwells and, and worships the Lord. So, uh, now with that, 
what else does is heaven described as? And that's where I think you tie into, you mentioned Revelation. There's a lot in Revelation that talks about heaven. I mean, a lot of, hev- a lot of uh, the book of Revelation takes place in heaven. Mm. So, I mean, one can, we, could have, we could spend multiple weeks talking about what's going on in Revelation there. Um, but I will say, uh, Isaiah, let's see, 67, 65, I should say, is a parallel passage to Revelation. And this speaks of the new heavens and the new earth. So I'm going to, I want to read this, and then we're going to differentiate between heaven and new heavens and new earth. I think that's an important differentiation that we need to make when we talk about this topic. So Isaiah 65, in verse 17 through 25, says this, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. So I'll stop there. But I read that passage because in that passage, the Lord is talking about creating a new heavens and a new earth. So what we see so far in just these few passages, there is a heaven right now. It is created. It is God's dwelling place and his throne where the earth is his footstool. And in heaven right now is where the heavenly host worships the Lord. But there's going to be a time where God creates a new heaven and a new earth. And that is also described in Revelation, which we can, we can get to that a little, a little bit later. And that seems to be the final, the final phase. Yeah. Right? Like we're kind of in the uh, in-between phase where, where there's heaven and there's earth, and they're kind of separate. But there's a sense in which they will become together in the final state. Mm-hmm. So that was something that I uh, never, I didn't really understand right away. Mm. I always thought heaven, heaven, like the heaven that we always picture in our minds when we die, that is the final place. So that's it. That's yeah. it. And like that's nothing, it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have some similar experiences or understanding? I think, I'm trying to think back. Yeah, I, probably. Yeah. There, I'm sure there was some mixed into that when I was, when I was a, a relatively uh, early, early Christian, um, one of the things that so in, for me personally, just share a little bit yeah. about my my backstory. Um, it was actually fear of death and hell was a a significant tool that the Lord used initially to to call me to Himself. Same for me, right? And um, yeah. you know, I I think that this this distinction between um, heaven as kind of a 
a, a like you meant kind of like a floaty place with you know chunky babies floating around on clouds <laughs> with arrows uh you know versus kind of this a, a more biblical picture um did come to light uh, after i became a christian and i would just say that you know the way that that the lord ha- articulates a vision of heaven you know we, you mentioned revelation we'll, we'll get there like you said mm-hmm. um, but it's just it's so like the beauty of that it, it is so much more comprehensive than just a picture of you know of floating beings in, in clouds living comfortable lives into eternity mm-hmm. um there's there's a blessedness that satisfies the soul that satisfies the, the yearnings of the human condition in a way that are just, I, I just have n- never, ever seen captured elsewhere or mirrored elsewhere in any other faith, in any other philosophy. Mm. It's, it satisfies the soul and the yearnings of, of humans' perpetual condition yeah. in a way that's just unmatched. And so, I mean, the beauty of it was one of the things, likewise, that the Lord used to kind of call me to himself. I think what it was is partly just one of the things that I've, that I've seen in common among those who God calls to himself in Christ among Christians, Mm -hmm. right? Is that at some point in their lives, at some point in their conversion or thereafter, or even before they, they, they were ripe for an awareness of their own mortality. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's like they, they knew that they were going to die and, and they knew that there was some yearning inside of them that cried out for life. Mm. Right. We don't, we don't naturally want to die. We want to live. Right. And there's, I think I've mentioned before, but like, um, Tolkien's essay, on why we like fairy tales it really is interesting. I mean, one of the things that he, I never read that. So I, I, one of the things he points out in this essay is like, you know, or one of his arguments is like, you know, why do we, you know, what, what are some things that fairy tales kind of like capture in the stories that, that capture our attention and that <laughs> capture our imaginations, right? It's, it's, it's love evermore or it's, um, you know, this was after, you know, Tolkien, obviously, but, you know, think Twilight, you know, this kind of eternal love that lasts forever. Or, you, you know, you think, um, you know, the, the, the magic in it, right? Or the, um, some, the, there's, there's this notion of some kind of powers that exist beyond our uh, comprehension or mm-hmm. our daily experience. And what he's saying is, one of the things he's saying is all of these attributes that he kind of teases out of, of kind of fairy tales and, and some of these stories that capture our imagination really are, in a sense, part of why they draw us is because they're pointing us towards this yearning that we all have for kind of a, a heavenly reality where there is um, an eternity spent with with God, ultimately, and there, that there's these, um, you know, whether it's eternal eternal righteousness you think of the end of uh, the end of the lord of the rings where you know aragorn is is finally uh, takes the throne you know he had yeah. been king but his kingship had been contested and then he ascends to the throne and there's peace in the kingdom evermore um, you know I, th- there may have been other spin-offs of other stories outside sure, yeah. of the lord of the rings that you know yeah yeah didn't, you know take the story in different directions but at, at the climax of you know that story that's what it is and he, he didn't make that up right but why does that why does that resonate with us is because you know we are 
we are made in God's image to, to desire life and to desire love and to desire righteousness and uprightness, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so these are things that ultimately get, get satisfied in heaven, mm -hmm. which is an incredible, incredible image, I think. But heaven is, the current heaven mm. is still temporary. It is, yeah. Well, yeah. If it, when when we die pre-resurrection, like if if the Lord does not return, right uh, before we die, mm -hmm. then yes, we go to a heaven that still has these um, these 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 attributes of of presence with Christ and uh, and dwelling in security and love. Um, and yet there is still, I, I wouldn't say that there's anything lacking in heaven, but I would say there is more yet to be gained, right? And the more to be gained is the new heaven and the new earth that the Lord promises and the resurrection that will come with it. Yeah. I think that's also important for the, the Christian faith is the resurrection yeah. because like we were created as physical and you know, spiritual beings, right? Mm -hmm. So when we die right now, our bodies are in the ground, Yeah. but our spirit goes home to be with the Lord. Yeah. And that's still not... It's not, yeah, exactly. Because it needs we don't to go like back that. Together. We don't want that, exactly. Yeah. We're not meant to like that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, Paul's preference is that Christ would return, mm -hmm. right? And yet he says, if if... If he if he doesn't return first, then he would then to die is still gain, right? He would still rather uh, be with Christ, but still he really wants Christ to come back first because he doesn't want his soul to be naked, mm -hmm. right? He wants to be mm -hmm. clothed, you know. Uh, overclothed is a way I've heard it put before. That's a good way to put it. Overclothed with a resurrection body and not have to pass through the waters of yes. of death. Yes. Right. That would be his preference. Yes. And, and, and that makes sense because to your point, that's how we're created, right? We're created to be embodied souls. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And I think a good passage that speaks to this is Second Corinthians chapter five. It's a yeah. very common passage or commonly cited passage. And I think well, that's because it's so it speaks to this so well. So here's what Paul writes in, in chapter five. I'll just go from uh, one to ten. Uh, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further closed yep, there it so is. that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Yes. That's right. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, you, you had mentioned earlier the being clothed. And yeah. I, I, what stands out to me also is the in verse uh, 4, he says, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Yeah. So in a way, when we, when we die, one, a picture in our mind is that, oh, he, you know, he was swallowed up by death. 
but for those who go home to be with the Lord, and I think uh, maybe this speaks to the glorified body, it's being swallowed up by life. Yeah, so I, I think the idea here is that while we are in this tent, right? I think Paul's Paul's mm-hmm. preference, like he has he has choices or, or or options, right? Not that he's choosing them, but he's he's saying, okay, Lord, you know, your will be done. But yeah. but here's my order of preference, right? His top tier preference is I don't die, but I get the resurrection body, and and I and so here, you know, in verse five four, while we're in this tent, mm-hmm. that that which is mortal may be swallowed up by life, that the resurrection body would come and overclothe his existing that's right. That's right. mortal body. That's that's top option, so that he doesn't have to pass through death, right? Yeah. Next option is uh, that he dies and goes to be with Christ yep. to await that heavenly right. body, right? So in That's 2 right. Corinthians 5, 8, yes, we are of good courage. We would rather be away from the body and, and at, at home, home with, with the Lord, Lord yeah. right? And then, you know, bottom there is, is you know, I think we can get from uh, Philippians 1, um, yeah. for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Absolutely. So he's like, look, if I, if I live, if I, his third <clears throat> option, I'll stay here, I will live in this world and glorify Christ, magnify Christ, share the gospel, um, do the work of an evangelist. Like he's, he's doing all of these things and he's, and and that's, that's fine for him because Christ is made much of as long as he's here in the body. Yeah. You know what I mean? In in this, in this fallen world. So, Hmm. so he's still, so I I would say that's his, his kind of order of, of preference. Um, but at, even for while he is here, yeah. what he is concerned for is to live as Christ. And it's, he says in Philippians one twenty two, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Ah, yeah, that's a good point. That's yeah. true. So we've touched on the theme. You mentioned it before about it's God's dwelling place. And I think that's probably a key point we should talk about here is mm. that, again, I didn't, uh, I want, I'll just say this, um, I recommend a book for those who are listening uh, by John Piper, God is the Gospel. Mm. Okay, that's a good book because he points out very well that heaven is heaven because God is there. Mm. Like that's what makes heaven worth being there. Because yeah, <laughs> he asks good. a question, if you could go to heaven, but there is no Jesus and there is no God, would you go? Would you want to be there? He's mm. talking to Christians, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, it does make you think because... Typically, we think of the place of joy, of relaxation, of peace, of pleasure, and, and all, the, all the wonderful things, no more pain. But do we think about, that's where God is, mm. right? And that's where, as believers, we should want to be, wherever He is. And that's why Paul is so desiring to want to be uh, with the Lord, okay? Yeah. Because that's where His Lord is. And... Uh, and so that's one thing to consider is that heaven is heaven because that's where God is. And God being the source of holy joy and yes. life and all, like none of these good things, like if, if you think to yourself, like to your point and, and to uh, Dr. Piper's point, like if you think to yourself, you know, could I go to heaven and, and God not be there, but still enjoy, you know, A, B and C, that's, that is hell, right? Yeah. Because you know what I mean? Like apart from God, like you don't, ha- there is no, uh, like Part of the, the wickedness of, of sin is that it invites us to think that the joys mm-hmm. that we partake of in this world terminate on themselves. That that, 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 that joy, that thing you're enjoying is an end in itself. That's and the is, goal. That's the goal. And it is not meant, 
uh, to point forward to the past itself, to the joy uh, partaken of in Christ. You know what I mean? So like we, we enjoy a meal to the glory of God. We mm-hmm. enjoy, you know, rest and relaxation and time with family to the glory of God, because each one of these things points past itself to a greater joy, a greater mm-hmm. glory with Christ. And when that thing terminates on itself, it's like, you know, you enjoy a meal when the meal is done, it's done. That's it. Like yeah. there's, there's no more, there's no more food. You know what I mean? Like you have to have another meal to go and get that same satisfaction again. Right. Mm. So when you think of the joy you, you partake of when you enjoy that meal, you, you, if you're going to get that joy back, you got to have another one. There, there, there's mm-hmm. not like this, there's not this ultimate satisfaction that, that is final and, and, and ultimate, right? That final ultimate satisfaction is found in Christ alone. Hmm. Right. So that's why I say, like, there is no heaven apart from God's presence and apart from Christ, because ultimately it would not be satisfying to the soul, whatever it is that we think we would enjoy. That's true. And actually, uh, it got me thinking about the whole concept of idolatry. Yeah. Is 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 finding your end. Right. Your your final joy in that thing, Mm -hmm. that created thing like the, the meal. Or, or whatever it is that you're that you're doing, and that those things will never deliver. They never satisfy fully yeah. because they go away uh, there. Um, and, and and if if our goal was to just get as much joy and pleasure as possible, we make ourselves really to be the center of the universe. Right. My pleasure, my joy, my satisfaction. Um, it's weird. Like you, gra- if you grasp for it, you're never going to get it. But if you grasp for Christ, if you hold on to Christ, yeah. you get it. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, in a way paradox- paradoxical. Yeah, it's like you 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 want the thing apart from Christ, you never get it. But if you want Christ above all else, you get joy. Yeah, like no greater joy. So it, exactly. So I think it's important not to yeah to you know idolize um, a false conception of heaven. Right. Where it's like, I just want that. And, mm. you know, the presence of the Lord, I'll, I'll take or leave. Yeah. It, it's, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. And, and I mean, quite apart from that, I mean, you think of like all of the ways that, that, um, the Bible talks about some of the ways the Bible talks about heaven. It's like, you know, uh, I saw no temple in the city for the, uh, the Lord God almighty and the lamb are its temple. You know, there was some, some, uh, heavenly, you know, astral body, you know, there's not like a, like a sun, right? Because the, the light is provided by the lamb and it's That's you know, right. kind of Revelation shining. 22, right? In 22. Exactly. Yeah. So like, you know, quite apart from the points that we've been just making about, you know, pleasures kind of terminating on themselves in heaven, you still like, you wouldn't be able to see, <laughs> <laughs> you need Christ to see. That's true. You, you need Christ to, to, to worship and, and the, and what we are created for is worship. You, yeah. you see what I'm saying? Like we need God's presence. We need more of him. You can't do these things without him. Yeah. Right. And that's part of, that's why I say like heaven ceases to be heaven without him because all of the things that we think of in heaven that are ultimately satisfying to the soul and resolving in, in the human condition and that which we yearn for apart from Christ, you don't have that satisfaction in any of it, whether it's, you know, you know, fun trivialities that we do for eternity or whether it's being able to see, being able to worship, you know? So anyway, yeah, 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 no, that's fair. And I think revelation 21, uh, I'll read a portion of it now is, uh, let's see one through one through four, uh, kind of speaks to this issue too. Yep. The concept of, uh, 
the new heaven and new earth. So starting in verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. So, again, we see a kind of a parallel to Isaiah 65. Uh, this, this first heaven and first earth are passing away, and God is making a new heaven and new earth, and that's where he dwells. The dwelling place of God is among, is with man. And this place is a place of, of joy. There's no more mourning. There's no more tears. And there's certainly no more death. Death is, uh, is destroyed. So, uh, you know, that's what we should want for. Mm. We, should, we should yearn for that. Yeah. But the question comes now, how do we get that? Like, mm. you know, you know, even if we describe it as a wonderful thing, who gets to be there? Who gets to go into heaven? Who gets to be part of this this new heavens, new earth, you know, 2.0 uh, there. So um, that's where a lot of people, uh, you know, ask the question, how, how, how do I get to go to heaven? How, do, how does anyone get to go to heaven? And I think if you ask a lot of people, I think many of them would think that they do get to go to heaven. Hmm. I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on that, tackling that? Well, we need a... So, so heaven is. We've been talk, We've been saying that heaven is where God is. Yeah. Um, and it's no small point that God is holy. God is perfect. Mm-hmm. God is uh, perfect light. And where there is perfect light, there can be no darkness. There can be no sin. You know, yeah. heaven would cease to be heaven were it tainted by sin or its presence or or you know death or evil or wickedness Mm -hmm. and then you know when you think of how good god is um if you think about that carefully enough it should be a sobering thought because it reminds us of the fact that we are not that good Mm -hmm. we are not good right and then we get from we are not that good to we're not good to we're not we're, we're actually bad right like that yeah like we're actually compared to god like we are sinful and we it should be a sobering thought of how perfectly good god is because how on earth could we get to him or enjoy him or be with him who is perfect like we would be swallowed up by that light and and you know to it'd be like staring at it'd be like as as destructive like the, the sun it's perfect yeah. light, right? If you look upside at the sun, but then you stare at the sun, you'll, you'll, you'll burn your eyes. <laughs> you'll yeah. go blind. Yeah. If you stare at the sun, you will go blind. It's the same kind of idea. You know, you, you, you try to uh, get into the presence of God without, the, with, without being as holy or as righteous or as good as God is. It will be destructive to you, right? So, so the question now is how do we get... Um, how do we be able to approach God in perfect light in in that way, who is himself good and holy and right and true and perfect in all these ways? We need 
a righteousness that is not our mm-hmm. own because we cannot get that righteousness. That is why Christ is so important. That is why Christ came and came to die and rose again. That his and and his rising again was was he he rose as the first fruits. First Corinthians fifteen tells us for the first fruits of the resurrection. Yeah. Right. So part of how we know that there is that that his sacrifice was accepted by God and that he was vindicated by his Father. And part of how we know that there will be a resurrection is exactly in the resurrection of Christ as the first fruits of that happening, right? Mm-hmm. So his righteousness, now, how, how do we get his righteousness? How do we get his, his, his obedience to his father, that perfect merited righteousness in his, in his active obedience? He, he obeys the law perfectly. He obeys his father in his passive obedience. He receives and takes on the, the punishment that we had deserved right now. How do we, so, so that the, the debt is now fully satisfied mm-hmm. and he is, and, and now he is fully, uh, fully meritorious of heaven in the way that Adam did not, right? Yeah. So, so Adam failed to attain heaven in the covenant of works because ultimately he and Eve disobeyed God. But where he failed, our our better Adam, who is Christ, yes. succeeded, right? How do we get that that same righteousness credited to us or imputed to us? And that is by grace Mm -hmm. through faith. So by grace, because our reception of that righteousness is not our doing. It's not anything in us that commends us to God, that makes us worthy of that forgiveness, worthy of that grace. But it is through faith, faith being the vehicle Mm -hmm. through which we, we apprehend Christ. Or you could think of how, how does, how does the how do we get united with Christ in faith, right? Or, or that, that faith is kind of like the glue that the Holy Spirit uses to, uh, to, to unite us with Christ, mm-hmm. right? And it's that by which we apprehend him. Um, and, and that itself uh, instigated by grace, right? That, that we would yeah. not be able to reach, like dead people can't see, right? So I would not know what to, dead people can't reach. So I would not know what to who to reach for, or I would not know to reach were it not for the the scales being felled from the eyes by the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. So I'm awakened, I'm, I'm regenerated in that sense, and then able to repent and turn and believe. Yeah. Um, yeah it, it, I, and that's ultimately how we get it, because we have to have that foreign righteousness before we can get to heaven. And certainly, that, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's it's God that has to do the work Yes. Uh, on us. Uh Again, to kind of go back to Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah is actually seeing, you know, I'll just read Isaiah chapter 6, 1 through 7. He says, In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And a train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, which with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. So 
Isaiah recognized he's getting a glimpse of heaven here in the presence of of uh, of the Lord, and he knows he's going to die. Like he will die if he stays there because of his uncleanliness, because of his sin, and so God, uh, through the seraphim, has to do something. Yes. So that he can actually dwell, so that Isaiah can dwell in the presence of the Lord without dying, without being destroyed. Yeah. You like and and to take and to build off that analogy, mm-hmm. like you you can't give birth to yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. So in John three, when Nicodemus mm-hmm. I mean, straight, just like straight up asks him, you know, he's like, yeah. Rabbi, you know, we know that you're a teacher come from God for no one can see these signs do unless God is with him. Um, is, so how, how do we, how, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus says, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Being born again is what it takes to to see the to enter the kingdom of god and kingdom of god here understood mm-hmm. to be to be heaven yes. right not not there there are some parables of the kingdom where uh the kingdom is is this world right and there are some parables of the kingdom where it's it's more than this world it's, it, it's yeah. a heavenly kingdom right mm-hmm. so you want to tease that out carefully but here in john 3 when jesus is talking with nicodemus it is this heavenly kingdom truly truly i said to you unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of god and yeah now what is what goes into this being born again right is some of what we were just talking about it's not of yourself yeah Right, it's 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 by grace of the spirit. It, right? it is it is of the spirit. Yeah, Matthew um, five twenty is also a, a good passage to think about um, when Jesus tells that he says in verse, uh, chapter five verse twenty. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not, mm. you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So, uh, and one one might ask, oh boy, how am I going? I mean, these guys are pretty righteous. So how do I get there? Well, the que- that that's the whole point. The point is that you need you need a perfect righteousness that comes from outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's Christ. So the only way you will ever have a righteousness that exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees is if you have Christ's righteousness. Yes. Uh, accredited to your account. So yes. um, that's how you enter heaven. And that comes through belief, right? right? So we, we read on in John three sixteen for God. So a very famous passage for God. So loved the world, the world for how bad it was, right? That he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Yeah. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Yeah. Yeah. I think that summarizes everything right there. Um, yeah. So that was well said there. Uh, and I think that hopefully clarifies some things for, for our listeners. So um, any final thoughts before? So, so far we've seen uh, heaven right now is is a is a it's a created place it's passing away into the new heavens and new earth and in the future it's a it's where the lord is right now seated at the right hand of the father uh, where believers go uh, when they die uh, to be home with the lord but that's not the final mm-hmm. place which will the final place the new heavens new earth it's where god dwells uh it's where there's true everlasting peace joy and life but only because that's where God is. Mm. And the only way that any of us can ever get there is if we have Christ as our Savior, as our hope. Yeah. Then 
that then we will be welcomed to uh, to the throne, uh, to to approach the throne of God. Mm. So um, this should be a comfort for for God's people, is that God wants to dwell with His people. It yeah. should be a comfort there, and that He's doing the work necessary. He did the work necessary for us to be dwelling with him that that right there what you just said is like so clutch i don't want to move past that too quickly because like that is the the mission that god graciously covenants to take onto himself is Mm -hmm. to dwell with his people Mm. from from beginning to end genesis to revelation that's what it's after Mm -hmm. is god how does how does god dwell (laughs) with his people yeah that's that's it right there right yeah so like that theme treads through the whole through the whole of of scripture so when we talk about heaven as the place where god will finally in the new heavens and the new earth dwell with his people um it is i mean in one sense you could say it's eden regained but it's but it's more than that right because because it's eden secured because eden could be lost eden was exactly there's a sense in which you could have perfection uh attained uh, perfection attained but not secured yes and it was lost right but but here there's no risk of it being lost it's secured forevermore because it's founded on the rock of christ and what he accomplished for us rather than uh what what adam failed to do as our as our head yeah um christ now as our head succeeded in doing and we we become members of the the body of of christ through that faith um you know one thing that you know we we did our last episode on hell yeah and we did this episode on heaven and there's a passage that kind of brings both of these things kind of both of these themes together in in a really interesting way um that i just want to take a look at it's Matthew uh, chapter 10 um, and I'll start it here at verse 28 Uh, this is Jesus speaking he says uh, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell now that was the warning that we gave on the last episode that hell is real it is something to be we, we it is something to be feared and and God is to be feared more than than death itself because God can cast a soul and a body into hell and that is a terrifying prospect and we yeah. talked about that last episode but then Jesus goes on this is meant to be an encouragement yeah are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father but even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also mm. will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Yeah. That is an encouragement that God is sovereign over death and God is sovereign over heaven and hell. And, and that is... That is meant to be an encouragement. That is meant to be something in which we can rest. He is our heavenly father and he is good and we can trust him. We can trust him in the face of death. We can trust him in the face of our uncertainties or our discomforts or uh, any questions around heaven or hell. Ultimately, for those who are in Christ, there is tremendous comfort in knowing that he is a good father. Mm-hmm. He, he, he numbers the hairs on your head. He loves you and you are worth mm-hmm 
more than many sparrows. Yeah. Um, it's likewise a warning, right? And a, and a sobering call to, in a sense, repent, right? Fear the Lord because he, fear him more than death, right? Yeah. Fear hell more than death because it's real and it is a, a present danger for those who are not united to Christ by faith and who don't have that righteousness that we were talking about. Um, so, you know, I would just encourage you if you're out there, if you're listening to this, um, if you're not a Christian, please consider the weightiness of, of these charges and, and of these words that Jesus lays out in Matthew chapter 10 and elsewhere in scripture. If you are a Christian, take heart, mm -hmm. right? And be encouraged because what you have ahead of you is, is infinitely more glorious than, than what you could imagine even now. Man, that's absolutely. Amen to that, man. Absolutely. So I hope, we hope that uh, you have been blessed by um, our conversation this morning regarding heaven. Uh, if you have any more questions uh, for us, because we are out of time today, uh, please email us at, at twoguysinabible.podcast at gmail.com. And you can also go to our website, twoguysinabible.org, which uh, has a button that you can uh, submit questions there. We're also on Facebook if you want to message us uh, there, as well as Twitter. And so we really uh, appreciate you tuning in and listening, and we hope that uh, you take heart uh, about, uh, about heaven and about Christ and, uh, and are blessed by it. So thank you again for joining us, and thank you again, Dylan, for another wonderful discussion. It's been my privilege. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, so uh, until next time, take care, y'all, and God, God bless. bless.